0: Good evening, everyone. Last week, humanity figured out how to grow germs, and that germs are responsible for disease. Good on us. But there's still lots more we need to explore. For one, it's around this time that Joseph Lister learns about germ theory, and figures out that certain substances are good at killing bacteria, at least externally. If you've listened to season two of this show, specifically episodes four and five, you already know about Lister, and antiseptic and later aseptic surgical techniques, which do make a big difference. But, since I've already covered all that stuff, uh, we're going to skip over that for this season, and instead we'll talk about the increasing understanding of how disease specifically spreads. Just because we understood that germs cause disease, didn't really mean we understood all the ways that disease can be transmitted. For example, it was observed that people can get sick, even when they've never come in contact with someone who was sick. In other cases, some people who had been exposed to sick folks did not get sick. Clearly, there were some other factors in the spread of disease from person to person, which is really obvious to us, but not so obvious even just a little over a century ago. First of all, it was important for scientists to figure out that humans in otherwise or outwardly good health could potentially spread diseases. As early as 1855, a few scientists suggested this idea, but it wasn't until the end of the century that more concrete evidence was produced. In 1893, William Hollock Park and his assistant, Alfred Beebe, were working in the New York City Health Department, trying to figure out if such a healthy carrier really existed. That year, there had been an outbreak of diphtheria, a serious bacterial disease that affects the respiratory tract. They took samples from 48 symptomless family members of those who had the disease, and in half of them were able to find the bacteria responsible for diphtheria. Clear evidence that being outwardly healthy doesn't mean you can't spread anything. They wrote that, quote, members of a household should be regarded as sources of danger unless cultures from their throats show the absence of diphtheria bacilli. It wasn't just diphtheria, of course. We know that this is true, too, of, say, coronavirus, but also just a lot of other diseases. But back then, other scientists were investigating the phenomena in other diseases. Cholera, typhoid fever, meningitis, and polio were all shown to have asymptomatic carriers. By 1910, it was well established that for many diseases, people can transmit it even without getting sick themselves. Also really important was the understanding of disease vectors. It's not just people that can spread human disease, but also other animals, which, again, obvious to us, but figuring that out took quite a bit of work. As is common with many ideas about disease, there were some extremely early visionaries that somehow figured this out way before science could ever prove it. All the way back in 1790, a physician and veterinarian first observed that the same parasites might live in multiple animals throughout their lives. In 1851, this was demonstrated with experiments, and further studies continued for many decades, mostly among zoologists, who weren't looking specifically to inform disease theory. In 1868, it was shown that dog tapeworms could be transmitted by dog lice, in a useful but just all-around gross discovery. In 1877, Patrick Manson discovered that the parasitic worm responsible for the disease, filariasis gets sucked up by mosquitoes when they feed on humans, and then those worms develop in the mosquitoes. Manson doesn't get a ton of credit usually, but he's important because in 1894, he proposes that malaria is spread by mosquitoes. And he is not the first, but a man named Ronald Ross seeks him out to ask about this newfangled theory. Ronald Ross was an army surgeon in the Indian Medical Service who sought out Manson and was intrigued by the mosquito theory. In case you didn't know, malaria is in fact spread by mosquitoes and is also one of the deadliest diseases of all time. In recent years, about 400,000 people per year die due to malaria. The most conservative estimates I can find estimate that at least several billion people in all of human history have died from malaria, a staggering amount of death so understanding how it works is to make a huge difference in terms of human suffering. But anyway, back to Ross, who after talking to Manson about his theory, was determined to return to India and investigate further on his own. Ross worked tirelessly for two years, until on August 20th, 1897, he found the human malaria parasite in the stomach wall of a mosquito. Ross wrote a poem in celebration later, which I've personally never thought to do, but I do appreciate. He wrote, I know this little thing a myriad men will save. O death, where is thy sting? Thy victory, O grave. Clearly, he was also aware of what an important discovery this would be, although a rhyme feels a little weird to me in this context. However, his research wasn't done. He was held up by some bureaucratic work for a year, but in 1897 he was able to continue his research. However, he couldn't get a hold of any human subjects, so he had to work with avian malaria instead. In 1898, he was able to show that healthy birds could be infected by mosquitoes that bit infected birds. And so next up, you'd think, let's demonstrate it in humans. But Ross was, again, caught up in administrative tasks. I find it bizarre that this man was out here solving malaria, and yet was still being bogged down by random bureaucratic crap. Get your priorities straight, British military. Instead, a team of zoologists working in Rome, Italy, named Grassi, Bastianelli, and Bignami, demonstrated human transmission of malaria by mosquitoes for the first time. There was still plenty of research to be done, but even just understanding that mosquitoes spread malaria is vital information, and mosquito nets and pesticides are a large part of anti-malaria efforts to this day. Shortly after this, another terrible disease caused by mosquitoes was investigated. Yellow fever is another tropical disease that can be very serious, and was of great concern to the U.S. Army when it was occupying Cuba after the Spanish-American War. A commission of four scientists, Walter Reed, James Carroll, Jesse Lazier, and Aristides Agaromonte, was created in 1900 to study the disease yellow fever, and they recruited human test subjects from the army and civilians, who must have been very brave. One of the scientists, Lazier, actually contracted the disease by accident during experiments, and died. I'm very glad my scientific research is incapable of getting me killed. Within two years, it was for sure shown that the mosquito was responsible for the spread of yellow fever, but also that it was not contagious by any means except for mosquito. What this means is that the prevention of yellow fever didn't necessarily require quarantining humans from each other, but preventing mosquito bites between the sick and the healthy. In February 1901, measures were accordingly put into place, and yellow fever was eradicated from the city of Havana in about 6 months, which is just incredible. Just like in last week's episode, where a flood of research to find microorganisms responsible for disease started after the first discovery, after the first vector animals were discovered, it became a hotbed of research. By 1910, we as a species had figured out the transmitting animals for malaria, yellow fever, plague, dengue fever, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, typhus, and sandfly fever. As with yellow fever, understanding exactly how these diseases were spread greatly improved our ability to combat them, even without medicines to truly treat them yet. It's common knowledge nowadays, but understanding that animals could transmit disease, and being able to figure out exactly which animals are responsible, is incredibly important To fighting disease. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening, and please reach out to me with the links in the show notes. I always love hearing from folks. And thanks, too, of course, to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for our cover art, and Muse Open for our music.